0: Friends, when have you ever personally experienced or observed dire poverty? Went on an annual mission house building trip to a very, very poor colonia, very poor neighborhood outside of Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua, Mexico. I remember the missions ministry staff of the people there with whom we worked told us about families who felt they had to make a very painful decision because of their poverty and the lack of food. They had to choose one of their children who they would allow to starve slowly to death so that the rest of the family could survive. And we saw just slight evidence of that because every year we built a house, the family was sponsored through one of six local congregations. And so we would celebrate the house by providing a meal for the entire congregation, usually about half children and about half adults. And one of these meals, and and this meal was not fancy. Most of us wouldn't cross the street to eat the meal we provided them, except it was filling, it was nutritious, and they didn't have a lot to eat. So everyone showed up. It was like a big neighborhood party. And we observed one woman who was a mother got her a big plate of food and covered it with her napkin and then just sat while everyone else was eating enthusiastically. And we wondered what was going on, so we went up and asked her. And she said, oh, I'm saving this for my husband so that after he comes home from the factory, from work later tonight, he'll have something to eat today. And so he said, oh, please come back. Please eat yourself, and we'll give you some food to take home. And that was our practice as well. But I think that's a reality that none of us, I'm guessing, have ever faced. Choosing to let a child die because there isn't just enough to go around. Hunger is a constant companion to many living in that colonia. Well, friends, how did Jesus view the poor and needy? I'm sure we all have understandings of that, but let's hear again as Pat comes to read for us from Luke's Gospel, Jesus' parable of the rich man and Lazarus.
1: I'm reading from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, and this is from the New Revised Standard Version. Listen. Listen. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, the rich man looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, child, remember that during your lifetime, you received your good things. And Lazarus, in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here. And you are in agony. Between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. And the rich man said, well, then I beg you, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets They should listen to them. And the rich man said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Abraham said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord.
0: In the parable you just heard, Pat introduced us to Lazarus, a poor, disabled beggar. By the way, Lazarus' name literally means the one whom God helps. And yet Lazarus was very poor and appeared to be a person, in fact, God had not yet helped. He lay begging at the gate of a rich man who goes unnamed. The verb lay is in the passive suggesting Lazarus is too weak or too sick to walk, requiring friends to carry him every day to the gate of this rich man's estate. His was the vain hope of receiving some food scraps from the table where the rich man and his friends sumptuously feasted every day. I'm sure there was lots of leftovers. Lazarus was hungry and sick and covered with sores so that wild dogs came and mercifully licked his sores. Now, in in Judaism, wild dogs are unclean animals, and so simply having contact with them, Lazarus became ritually unclean himself. The man at whose palatial gate Lazarus lay was very rich and self-indulgent. He wore expensive purple clothing, fine linen underwear, and as I mentioned, ate extravagantly, feasted extravagantly every day. He had a conspicuous lifestyle. He flaunted his wealth. From outward appearances, one would think the rich man is the one blessed by God while Lazarus was not. Spiritually the wealthy man failed to observe the weekly Sabbath because he feasted every day keeping his staff working on what God commanded was to be a day of rest and renewal. Well, both died, the rich man and Lazarus. Apparently too poor for a proper funeral, Lazarus was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham, the patriarch in paradise. And so they reclined at the great heavenly banquet table. The rich man also died and I'm sure had a a meaningful a spectacular funeral. But he ended up in Hades in torment. His selfish extravagance in this life turned into him into an indigent in the life to come. Now, just six verses earlier than what Pat just read for us, Jesus makes comments, really telling comments about wealth. Here are his words, friends. No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and wealth. The word translated wealth is the little Greek word mammonus. Some of you remember it, a more traditional translation, you cannot serve God and mammon. Let me tell you about mammon, according to German scholar Friedrich Hauck. Jesus always uses the word mammon in a derogatory sense of the materialistic, anti-godly, and sinful Because of the demonic power imminent in possessions, surrender to them brings practical enslavement. In other words, Jesus, and this is a constant theme of Jesus of Nazareth, our possessions have this sort of spiritual power imminent in them so that they seek to possess us. That is the great danger of possessions. According to Jesus himself, the rich man in this parable is just such an enslaved person. So, in the afterlife, the rich man looks up and sees Abraham in paradise at some distance away and Lazarus by his side. And so he calls out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in agony in these flames. The rich man hasn't learned a thing. He stays in character. He's a member of the wealthy class. Lazarus is a member of the lower class so he expects Lazarus to be his servant. The rich man acted as if nothing had changed from his earthly existence. We also learn Or maybe he just learned that the rich man actually knew the name and the plight of the beggar who was resident at his gate for some period of time, whom, according to the text, he never once assists. Nevertheless, within a few yards of Lazarus' misery, the rich man in his life partied nightly with his friends while ignoring the beggar. So Abraham then answered the rich man's request kindly, but very honestly. You are reaping what you have previously sown. Your lack of compassion for the poor in this earthly life has come home to roost in this next life. As New Testament scholar Daryl Bach comments, the rich man is not condemned because he is rich but because he slipped into the coma of callousness that wealth often produces. He became consumed with his own joy, leisure, and celebration and failed to respond to the suffering and need of others around him. At the very end of the story, finally, finally, the rich man shows some hint of nobility, some hint of concern for someone beyond himself. He's concerned that he still has five surviving brothers. And he wants them to repent and avoid sharing his sad fate. So therefore he asked Abraham to send Lazarus to warn them. Again, (laughs) Lazarus is his servant, the working class. Send him to warn my brothers. Abraham's reply makes a very important point. They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. In other words, hey, pay attention to sacred scripture. And when... Abraham commands they should listen to them. Listen, for a Hebrew person, means not simply hear auditorily. It means to hear and respond with obedience. In other words, they should pay attention to Holy Scripture. Certainly, if anyone reviewed Hebrew Scripture, one would discover God's great compassion for the poor. It's one of the great themes, friends, in all of The Holy Bible. The rich man wanted something more attention grabbing, though, than the teaching of Scripture. Oh, come on, that's so pedestrian. Anybody gets that. No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they need a really spectacular wonder. That'll get their attention, and maybe they will repent. Provide my relatives with a spectacular sign, like resuscitating a dead person. Then they will believe. But Abraham responds again, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Jesus suggests that faith built on signs and wonders isn't true faith. The scriptures alone are sufficient to confirm true faith. Well, that's the parable, friends. Where does all of this leave us? What does it say to us today? Jesus tells us that God has provided guidance for us in Holy Scripture. And among those truths, I think as you all know, is a consistent emphasis on care for the poor. In fact, God expresses a clear concern for the poor throughout Holy Scripture. In Psalm 41, that I used as the call to worship today, Happy are those who consider the poor. The Lord delivers them in the day of trouble Biblical concern, that God has special concern for the poor, is embedded in the Torah, in the prophetic books, in the Psalms, in Proverbs, and throughout the New Testament, especially from the mouth of Jesus Himself. So, the key question is, will we respond with compassionate generosity to God's demand that we care for the poor? Or will we... Will we live self indulgent lives like the rich man, unconcerned about those in need? Now, practically, how can we apply this message to our lives today? First, we can give generously to this church and to nonprofit agencies that work directly with the poor. Many of the ministries in your churches and our church's mission budget directly serve low income people locally and abroad. Second, we can invest our time and talents with hands-on involvement in our congregation's Nomadic Shelter Program, by volunteering locally with Catholic Charities and the Redwood Gospel Mission, just to name three, and there are lots more. And further, in my own life, going on a mission trip to the developing world is really, friends, life-changing. It's not in any sense a vacation, but it's a a deeply learning experience. And you can see how many millions live, and it's so radically different from anything we have ever seen except on the news. But they're only for a few seconds. When you live for a week with people who let a child die because they don't have enough food, you become sensitized to what happens with other people and how great uh, and awful a reality poverty is in our world today. So we can give generously of our funds, we can give of our time and talents to work with the poor, we can go on mission trips. And third, this is probably most controversial, so let me unpack it. We can, and I think it is God's will, that each of us use our voting privilege to support propositions and candidates that address the concerns of the poor. Now, many Christians that I know divide life into two distinct arenas, the sacred and the secular, which they do not think overlap. These individuals give Jesus charge of what they consider the sacred segment of life. While they take charge of the secular realm and do as they please. Friends, the New Testament perspective is radically different from that. Radically different. The earliest statement of Christian belief, the earliest statement was just three words long. And I'm sure many of you know it, so shout it out. What was that very first Christian statement of faith? What was it, friends? We all ought to know this. It wasn't the Apostles' Creed. Jesus is Lord. Lord means master, owner, ruler. Lord is also a synonym, a title given Yahweh, the Creator. So when we call Jesus the Lord Jesus Christ, we are equating Him with God the Father. If Jesus, friends, is Lord of our lives and that is the most ancient and basic Christian of faith ever written and will ever be written, It means that there is no area of our lives, no area at all, which should be beyond his direction and guidance and leading. This means the way we relate to family members, to our spouses or our children or our parents, our grandkids, guided all by Jesus. The way that we relate to our employer, or if you are an employer, your employees, Guided by Jesus. The way you spend your leisure time. your All of your hobbies, whatever they are. And friends, the way you behave and you go into that ballot box. Jesus claims that like everything else. And so friends, here's my challenge. And what a difference this would make if every follower of Jesus, when we went into the ballot box, made a commitment and granted, I don't pretend to know God's will about every issue on every ballot. I mean, I wish I did, but I, str- I struggle to. And this is what I try to do, and I'm sure I do it imperfectly, and I encourage you to try to do it too. And that is to consciously vote not self-interest, but the interests of the poorest among us. Do you get that? If we all did that, if Christians here and around the world where there is democracies did that think what could happen to improve the lives of the poor and in the process friends God would be pleased. Let us pray.